we started with the hypothesis of a business model where we don't have to build out a sales team uh, till, I mean, we have to see how far that we can carry that. But uh, the, the latest deals we have closed have an annualized revenue of close to $75,000. Okay. But uh, it was primarily closed by like me and my co-founder just hustling. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster, minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Sharam Shubramanian. He is the founder and CEO of a company called ShoppingPal.com, integration and apps for S small businesses and B2B SaaS. Previously, as product manager, he grew uh, a company to $40 billion in payment volume uh, and products at eBay and PayPal, and was the first non-founding engineer at TrustGenix, which was acquired by HP. Again, now all in on ShoppingPal. Sriram, you ready to take us to the top? Yes, absolutely. All right. So how does Shop and Pal work and what's the revenue model? Is it a SaaS company or is it a percentage GMV or what? It's uh, it's a hybrid model moving towards pure SaaS. So I'll explain how we work. Uh, there's two parts to the company. For a small business, let's say a, a retailer that has about 20 locations, when they're looking to move to the cloud, we help with migrating their data seamlessly over to the set of cloud systems that they want to move to. Second, once they're on a set of cloud systems, we make sure that all those systems talk to each other correctly. Okay. So there's two components to it. When we acquire customers, the platform, the cloud platform itself becomes our first customer and we help them build the right set of integrations that are missing for their customers. So they become our first paying customer. So there's a build cost associated with that for the capabilities that are missing. Let's say a new set of accounting integrations. And now if a second platform comes to us and asks for the same accounting integration, it already exists. So there it's pure subscription. So those are the two components. Uh, the so you're funding your product apps. development and any new product development with customer contracts, essentially. Yes. yes. Yeah. So let's use Daniel Wellington. You have them, their logo on your website as a customer. Explain to me how they use you to really drive home what you do. So Daniel Wellington uh, is a international watch retailer headquartered in Stockholm, and uh, they're currently in about 39 countries and on a rapid expansion spree. So in countries like India, the way that they set up is they go to a mall and set up shop inside a mall. Now the mall asks them to send daily sales data to the mall servers. So Daniel Wellington uses a specific cloud point of sale and certain set of other systems from which sales and other related data needs to be pulled and automatically pushed by FTP to the mall system. And they had no way to do this 
besides manually some uh, IT managers pulling out Excels and sending it to the systems until they found us through the POS company to be able to do this in an automated way for pushing daily sales reports to whichever malls they operate in. I see. Okay, that really helps people understand, I think, what you guys do. So, so then again, let's back into how you price for that. So it, what, well, you know, what on average, what is a customer like Daniel Wellington or your average customer paying you per month to use the technology? So when uh, we talk about this use case, which is uh, custom reporting or analytics, it can start at as low as $50 a month. Uh, and it works on a per outlet kind of model. Right. So if it's, a, if it's a small retailer with just uh, one or two outlets, they will be in under the $100 price bucket versus someone who is, you know, 15 locations, 20 locations across four states. They could be at $500 a month. OK. Right. So that's that's a difference. And, and then if there are customers that want additional capabilities, for example, new sets of attributes that need to get added to the report, that goes back to the build model uh, that I talked about. But the beauty of that is, if new attributes get added, they go into the master library, which is now available to every sure. other customer on the planet. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But but I guess let me try and get it. Let me try and ask a good question here. So if you look at your total revenue from last year on a percent basis, what percent was custom development fees for new stuff versus true recurring SaaS? So last year, it was uh, 70% was custom development. Okay. Whereas this year, uh, we are quickly moving to the model where hopefully by March, we would have reversed it to less than 20% being custom development. Okay. Okay. Got it. So, so obviously trending that direction. So, well, when did you launch the company? So I launched this as a, uh, in, in the custom integration and apps phase uh, back in 2014, where I would, we were just getting out and learning about how to build integrations into different systems. And in, in fact, if you've heard of the Amazon Go experience, Initially, we built out a, a self-checkout experience very similar to uh, Amazon Go. That was the first app that we tried. And uh, we realized that it was completely non-scalable, right? I actually went out to customers, built out Linux servers myself and deployed it and realized that how am I going to get this to 1,000 or 10,000 customers? There's no way we can do that. So that was sort of the first failure and a learning for us as to what's our DNA. And that's where the focus just to B2B evolved. Okay. And so now how many B2B customers are you serving today? So we have uh, 13 enterprise-like customers, and then end retailers and businesses are uh, about 153, I believe is the, is the recent count, that use our technology globally. So, so what's the difference between 13 and 153? The 13 and the 153 are the actual physical locations, and Daniel Wellington would be one of the 13? The, so Daniel Wellington would actually be sitting as, as the end user, the retailer. Uh, for us, it's a, as a B2B business, the first touch point is the platform, the cloud platform itself, right? A payments platform or a POS company, right? That is building. So the that solution. is the 13 so, number. It's a, it's a cloud platform. Right. Okay. A cloud platform or a large reseller of the cloud platform. Okay. Got it. So you don't have a direct relationship with Daniel Wellington. You sold them through a cloud platform partner. Right. But now we do. Once we sold them through it, uh, we work directly with the customer and their team. Okay, and so 153 brands like Daniel Wellington use you. How many locations do they make up? The Actually, we don't know the total number of locations because if you take uh, certain relationships where a reseller would have taken to, let's say, 30 customers across different countries in Europe, uh, we don't have visibility into all the different types of businesses and the locations they serve because the reseller 
in those cases would own that relationship. So it's uh, tough for us to get visibility because we also support a model where our entire stack of microservices can be deployed into a customer or partner's environment. So there's only limited metrics that we can get in that scenario. Okay. Didn't you say though that you price based off number of locations? So isn't it a problem if you don't know how many locations people are installing on? That's the model where we are directly serving the retailer or customer, but then there is a model where we are deploying inside of the customer or partner's environment as well, right? So in that model is where we don't have the visibility. But yes, if we are onboarding them directly in a pure SaaS hosted by us, yes, then we absolutely know and we price accordingly. Okay, so you have at least 153 locations using you, assuming everyone only has one location, correct? Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. Are, do you have more than a thousand locations like across the 153 or like, is it probably usually a one-to-one ratio? One brand has one location on you. No, no, it's usually that our sweet spot is uh, multi-location and multi-country retailers. So definitely there's a pretty good chance that that would translate to thousand plus locations comfortably. I see. Because okay. Most of these would be um, on average, let's say our typical profile would be five or six locations. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, good. Yeah. So five locations goes 153 accounts. You can obviously do the math there and figure that, that out. Right. Um, okay, good. So, so launch in 2014. Now have you bootstrapped the company or did you raise capital? We just, uh, raised some seed capital, mostly through angels. And, uh, the idea there was just to get to a proof point where we can get to profitability and sustained revenue growth and not require VC funding for sustainability. And that's where we are now. So we are now profitable. And uh, and then we haven't really made up our mind of like having to raise VC capital. Is that the right path or not? But the focus is entirely on making this a big, sustainable business. How much have you raised to date? Uh, a little over one and a half million. OK. And, and when when did you close that round? It was a, a rolling close uh, all the way to 2018. And in fact, we got a check. Uh, one check even in 2019. Okay, got it. So you did you raise it on a note or a safe or something? Yeah, we, we did our own convertible note, not on safe, uh, but the traditional convertible note. Got it. And so one of the challenges with these rolling notes, if someone puts in a dollar today via an angel round, and then you let someone in a year and a half later on the same terms, when your business is more de-risked, the early right. investor is going to want more, you know, upside or reward for the early risk. So did you do this on multiple term sheets or did you just say, no, we're going to roll it on the same notes. And even if you came in later, we're going to give you the same upside that the early investors got. No, it's the former. You have to update your cap and discount accordingly. I mean, that's not fair to the early guy, right? Who came in. So every time you reach a new milestone, you assess what it realistically is worth. And then obviously talk to the new guys and then get an okay from your existing folks as well. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. What's your team size today? How many folks? Uh, so we have in India, uh, we have a team of 11 people full time. And uh, we, we have a few developers uh, working out of uh, two in New Zealand, one in Hungary, and uh, a good advisory uh, team uh, based out of in the Middle East uh, and a couple of guys in California. So total team like full time is 11 or how many? Yeah, total is full time is 11. Yep. Okay. And how many engineers? Nine is engineering, design, QA all combined. Okay, got it. So then kind of three yeah. left for business marketing, all that. Any quota carrying sales reps or no, your price point's too cheap for reps? Uh, no, actually a price point is not necessarily too cheap because, uh, but we we are we started with the hypothesis of a business model where we don't have to build out a sales team uh, till, I mean, we have to see how far that we can carry that. But 
the, the latest deals we have closed have an annualized revenue of close to $75,000. Okay. But uh, it was primarily closed by like me and my co-founder just hustling, right? Okay, so got we, it. So it's still founder yeah. seller, sell, <laughs> selling. Yeah, founder. We, we have one more guy who rotates. Uh, but, but yes, three of us are uh, primarily responsible for that. And then a lot of the, our partnerships uh, with the platforms have worked working very well. So we get at least one very qualified, warm lead uh, a fortnight from yep. uh, our partners. So when, so. I mean, it sounds like you're signing up deals today that are very much in the enterprise space. Uh, when, I mean, when do you think you'll pass a million dollars in terms of projected run rate? That's uh, the plan is uh, July of this year. Okay. So you think you break it this year. That's great. And then what would that be an increase from over last year? Uh, so it would be about a tripling in size. Okay. So you did year. about, you did about $300,000 in total revenue last year. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Very good. And, and as part of that transition, you're also moving hopefully to less custom development development and more SaaS. That's right. That's right. And, and that, that is, uh, because, um, the first goal, uh, which, which I think we will hit by March, uh, itself is, is to make sure that, well, if we left and, and no, no, the company left on a holiday for two or three weeks that we would still be able to meet payroll mm-hmm. and that would comfortably happen now. And then, then it's about like really growing the margins and so on. Right. And making it a true recurring model. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the depth we have to build in terms of technology also has to be there in terms of focusing on point of sale accounting and employee management. So those are the three verticals that we have chosen, which are critical to, let's say, a restaurant or a retailer to run their operations. So once we have achieved depth there, then it can all be based on subscriptions. What about churn? So 153 paying today. Is there anyone that was paying a year ago that's not paying today? There's uh, two customers in that bucket. And uh, one of them we... Uh, lost out because there was a dependency on, uh, I think they were on NetSuite ERP or something, and then that did not work out for them. So it wasn't because of our integration or fault. How much revenue do those and two customers make up? Those, uh, about uh, $6,000. Okay. Uh, uh, but, but we did not actually, we, we got the revenue and then they decided not to get onto the monthly model after that because they stopped using NetSuite. And so I, uh, it was good to know and in a relief of sorts that it wasn't our fault or in a product not being up to the mark. Yep. Um, but that's one thing we've been fortunate is that our churn has been nearly zero at this stage, I'm sure. Well, it's early. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just really early. I mean, I mean, is this math right? They're going to take 153 customers times at least $50 per customer, assuming they only have one location. I mean, you're doing about $7,000, $8,000 a month right now in true SaaS revenue. Yeah, so since some of those end up being higher amounts as well, uh, because of the enterprise slash platform guys, our uh, recurring uh, component has has crossed twenty thousand dollars. Oh, great! Already. Okay, good. Yeah. So yeah, the average, so, the average, the average brand then is paying you more like one hundred twenty five dollars a month for for three or four locations, right? Which gets you up to about twenty grand a month in pure SaaS. So the the split is a little uneven, and there is a handful of uh, these larger accounts, the platforms themselves, like some of them are doing excess of $3,000 a month in, in billing with us. So uh, they make up in some sense for the, the lower re- revenue or the, the free pilots that we would be running for in the freemium model, right? That I understand. Um, in the hundred, yep. Totally understand. You, so your so, top five customers make up more than 15 grand a month in revenue, basically. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. All right. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Actually, it's it's a it's not an exactly a business book, but autobiography of a yogi um, is uh, is my favorite book. And uh, if when you 
reader, you realize that it's it's seems to be a spiritual book. It has, but it has a tremendous amount of business guidance as well. Sharam, is there a number two? Is there a CEO you're following or studying? Not one in particular, but many. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Shop and Pal? LinkedIn. Number four, how many hours of sleep you get every night? Six of most days. That's pretty good. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married with uh, two adopted daughters. Oh, very cool. Okay. And how old are you? I'm 40. Okay. Busy, busy guy. Take us back to your 20 year old self. What do you wish you knew? That I didn't have to wait till 30 to start my business. <laughs> Guys, there you have it. Shopping pal again, helping brands like Daniel Wellington report back to the malls that they have locations and what their you know daily sales volume was. He's making this easy sales directly through people like the malls or other cloud platforms to the end users. They serve over 153 brands with over caught 300 or 400 locations doing north of $20,000 a month right now in pure SaaS revenue. Last year, when you combine in their custom development revenue, did over $300,000. Hoping to break a million bucks this year. Sharam, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks so much, Nathan. It was a pleasure to be here.